Thank you for this day that you have given to us. Thank you for Gilbert Bible Church. Thank you for the joy of being your child, forgiveness of sins that we've experienced, reconciliation to you. Thank you for the new life we have in you, and thank you for saving us, calling us out of our sins, out of our separation from you, reconciling us to you, but also reconciling us one to another, that we have the joy and privilege of being a part of your church connected to one another. Lord, this morning as we look at your word and various principles, I pray that you would use your word by your spirit to grow us, to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, to make us more useful servants. We know that our salvation came by no merit of our own, uh, and so our life lived in worship and obedience to you isn't to try to add something to Christ or appease an angry God toward us. Christ's sacrifice has satisfied all your wrath. Rather, we love you and we want to offer ourselves to you in service. And so help us. Help us to that end. Help us to grow. Help us to be wise as we navigate this life and the various decisions, opportunities that come our way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. You can go ahead and open up in your folder to today's lesson. I want to start by talking about the EQ disciplines, EQ disciplines, and we have three of them, and they really build one on each other, these three disciplines of the Christian life. Every man, woman of God is called to be diligent in these areas, and they're really foundational for the Christian life in obedience to Christ. These disciplines we know and we love, we've been shepherded towards them, in them for years, if you are part of Grace Bible Church, and it has to do with your heart, your home, and your ministry unto the Lord. And I want to start with a brief overview of each of these disciplines, and then what we're going to hone in on is really discipline two and its relationship with discipline three this morning. We're going to be talking about leading your heart or leading those under your care towards Christ and church life and the relationship of those things. What is the relationship of my leading my own heart, of my leading my home in the ways that God calls me to towards Christ and towards his church, his bride? We know that all of this starts with heart care, care for our heart. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. And time after time, we see how the heart is prone to wander. It's prone to stray. That's the reality of our fallen nature apart from Christ. Even in Proverbs 4.23, we're called to guard our heart or keep our heart with all diligence because where your heart goes, your life goes. Your words don't necessarily direct everything in your life. Your words are a reflection of what is going on in your heart. And so we need to shepherd our heart. We care for our heart. We bring our heart with, I- into contact with God's word, with his truth, heart shepherding it. It takes place with intentional time and prayer and devotion with God, renewing our minds with truth from God's word. That's a critical part of heart shepherding. But it's not an exclusive part of heart shepherding. When we think about shepherding our hearts, it's not simply checking a box of doing a quiet time. We should do quiet times. We should have that intentional, private, devotional time with the Lord where we're praying and and communing with him and worshipfully seeking the God of the word, right? We come to the word of God to meet with the God of the word. We, We absolutely should have that. But the point of that is not just to check a box and then move on with all the other happenings of our day. Our heart shepherding persists when we go to work and have to be faithful when we're really tired or don't feel great. Our heart shepherding persists when we have to correct our children. And man, the last thing I want to do is have to address this issue again. I've already addressed it 10 times this morning. Oh, wait, no, I need to obey God. I need to believe God. I need to trust God. You shepherd your heart to be faithful to him in those moments. These happen all throughout the day. It's going to be aided through that intentional time of prayerful consideration and meditation on God's word. 
So we start with shepherding our heart towards Christ. This needs to overflow into our home. The immediate context that we find ourselves in needs to be impacted and feel the effects of that heart shepherding that is taking place first. We need to be diligent there. This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Paul makes this argument in relation to elders. If you can't manage your household, how should you be expected or how should you be given the responsibility of managing the household of God as an elder? It's the argument of lesser to greater. You need to be faithful in your home before you take on responsibilities of leadership within the church. And so it is for us. We need to find ourselves being diligent and faithful in the immediate context the Lord has us, whether that's with your uh, husband, if you have a roommate, wherever you are, you need to be faithful in your home. The, the immediate context of your life needs to have the outflow of your love for Christ impact their life. What you talk about, how you conduct yourself, uh, the emphasis of your pursuits, of your attitude, all of these things need to manifest themselves in a God-honoring way. Where this gets messed up is if you neglect your heart, you're going to miss out. You're going to not be well-equipped. You're, you're going to not have the ammunition, spiritual ammunition you need to be able to step into your home and care well for those around you because you've neglected your own heart. And so these build foundationally one on another. Starts with your heart, be faithful in your home, and then you'll have also credibility before the Lord. That's ultimately what matters, right? We're not trying to please or appease one another. We're trying to please the Lord. You'll have credibility before the Lord to then step into his church and serve faithfully there as well. Some of the confusion can at times lie with how do I manage, how do I make decisions of obligation and care for my home when sometimes it feels like that competes with the call for me to be faithful in the church? What level is appropriate of commitment to my church versus commitment to my home? And ultimately, the right level of commitment is found in faithfulness to Christ. Love for Jesus and let that flow into your decision-making in your home. Let your love for Jesus flow into your decision-making in your commitment to your local church. We know that life is full. There's many obligations that we all have. How do you juggle all of these things on your plate and be found faithful before the Lord in each of them? How do you decide when to advance on more commitments as you hear and are made known uh, needs around you? How do you decide when to pull back on various commitments? Uh, when is a good time to stop serving for a season? How do you come to that decision? And this lesson this morning is not meant to be corrective for Gilbert Bible Church. I'm sure each one of us can grow and we have areas where our maturity can increase in this, but I am very encouraged by Gilbert Bible Church's pursuit of Christ, our love for Christ, our love for each other, our connection with each other, our involvement in the church, the way that you all serve and give of yourselves sacrificially for the advancement of gospel ministry in this church is a blessing and an encouragement. We planned to have this lesson a year and a half ago. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, is he rebuking us? It's not meant to be that. It's meant to be an encouragement, helpful for our minds to, to be able to navigate these things because even when we're doing well, life is constantly changing. The demands of life, the obligations of life. And so to have our minds sharp and in line, right thinking from God's word and how to make decisions will help us because I guarantee you more decisions are yet to be made that impact your availability in your home, your faithfulness in your home, your faithfulness with your heart, your faithfulness in the church. And so my desire is that this lesson this morning is really a, a helpful aid in navigating these various issues that we have to in life and seeking to be faithful before our Savior in all of these things. These kinds of decisions that have to be made and the truths on which they need to be made upon are foundational for the Christian life. It's just easy to get knocked off track by the demands of life. And it's crucial that we understand from God's word and hold at a conviction level principles from God's word about our love for Jesus and our love for others and the way that God intends for the love for our Savior and the love for others to be manifested in the lives of his people. Listen, there's, there's times where I've interacted with people 
and ask them questions about just how are you doing in life? How are you doing with commitments? Um, you've committed to a fellowship group. You're not, you're not demonstrating a high level of faithfulness within that commitment. Talk me through that. And the response was, oh no, we're, we're faithful. I'm, I'm there every chance I can. Every opportunity I can be there, I'm there. Okay, well, um, did you realize that you've been there twice in the last three months? What, really? I didn't realize that. I thought I was being, I thought I was being faithful. But the kids were sick. We were on vacation. Then I didn't feel like it. Then we were, had another commitment we made. Then I just wasn't really up for it. And you start to retract and you're like, well, I felt like I had a valid excuse in every single circumstance. And maybe they were valid excuses in every circumstance. But even in their own mind, the level of faithfulness and connectedness um, was not, actually reality. What they thought they were was not reality. And that's okay. There's seasons that may ebb and flow in the degree that we can be committed to various things. We can't not be committed to the things that Christ calls us to, like love for one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, spurring love one another on towards love and good deeds. All of the one another commands, we don't get a, a buy just because it doesn't fit within our schedule. But the formal programs of the church, if there's a season where it doesn't line up, we don't want to elevate our programs as if they're God's mandate to you. But it's how we at Gilbert Bible Church seek to intentionally be obedient to those one another commands. And so if you're in a season where you can't be a participant in that, be really intentional to be connected in other ways. But what we don't want to do is deceive ourselves into thinking our level of commitment is far above what we actually are, and that's easy to have that happen. So where do we start? How should we think about these things? How, how should we shepherd our heart in making decisions about what we commit ourselves to? How do we shepherd our hearts to keep Christ as the main focus? Well, it starts with the call to pursue Christ. That's the first bold part of your outline, the call to pursue Christ. Go ahead and turn to Matthew six thirty-three. This is Jesus' wonderful sermon that he gives, the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, the latter half, he's talking about really how to address anxiety about temporal things. When your heart is prone to become anxious about what am I going to eat and what am I going to wear and where am I going to live and our, our focus starts to get set on temporal things, being consumed with that, letting that occupy the dominant portions of our thought life, how do you fight that? How do you combat that? What should be the focal point of the Christian's mind and pursuit and heart? Well, Jesus tells us. He says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, that these things are what you eat and what you wear and where you live, all these temporal things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The Christian's commission from Christ is to seek first his kingdom day by day. To not allow yourself to be consumed with all the worries of what may lie ahead, but what does God call me to today? What does faithfulness to my Lord look like today? Seek God's kingdom, the things pertaining to God's eternal kingdom, the kingdom that he will one day establish literally here on the earth where Christ reigns. What, what things can I concern myself that bear weight into eternity for spiritual good? Well, this means you're going to prioritize holiness. You're going to prioritize obedience to God. You're going to prioritize things pertaining to our Savior Jesus. We, we are not overly concerning our heart with the things of this world. We're not looking to build our kingdom here. Right? Every non-believer, that's what they are aspiring to. How can I build up my kingdom on earth? What are the things that give me joy, give me pleasure, relieve my pain? And how can I acquire those things, build those things, build up for myself things in this life? Only to know that fire burns and rust destroys and moths eat. And Jesus says to the Christian, 
you are to concern yourself with everlasting things, spiritual things. Concern yourself with pursuing that which bears weight into eternity. This is the call for the Christian to seek first the kingdom of God. And we have to ask ourselves when thinking about this command, do I think, am I, am I concerned that I will lack something good if I make decisions through the lens of pursuing a love for Jesus and obedience to him as the driving factor in my decision-making? If my decision-making is rooted in every significant decision, every decision. But as we're talking here, commitments, schedule, obligations that I commit myself to, workloads, all of these things. If I think and ponder and prayerfully consider through the lens of what would position me best to obedience to Christ and what expresses love for him most? What, what kind of decision would express love for him most? Am I concerned that if I make decisions that way, I might lack something good? Because if so, I need to recalibrate my thinking. You just will lack no good thing, no truly good thing, if your decision-making is put through the sphere, um, through the spectrum of what will honor Christ, what will glorify him. And so first, for the Christian, we're called to pursue Christ. We need to remember this in our decision-making. We need to remember this in our commitments. We need to remember this in helping our kids in their commitments. How am I caring for my home in a way that the trajectory of our family is concerned with seeking God first in his kingdom? Now, as we think about seeking Christ, seeking things pertaining to his kingdom, we must understand the relationship of Christ and his bride. Turn to the right, just a few chapters, to Matthew 22. And here we see that Jesus inseparably links love for God with love for one another. Love for God with love for others. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, Jesus is being asked, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law, in the law? And he, that is Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's no hesitation. They're trying to trap Jesus. There's no pondering on Jesus. Oh, that's a good question. Let me figure that out. It's so obvious to Jesus what the great commandment is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. He adds on and connects these two links these two inseparably. Uh, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. He summarizes all of God's instruction in this inseparable reality that the Christian is called to both love God and love others. That needs to be on our hearts and our minds. That's a way that we shepherd our hearts. Lord, help me to love you supremely today and help that to manifest itself by an unwavering commitment to loving others, to being committed to others' good without thought of the cost to myself. That's what it means to love others the way that God calls us to. Help me to be unwaveringly committed to your good, your glory, without cost of what it takes for myself and towards others' good without cost towards myself. And Jesus says the defining characteristic of Christians that testifies to the world that we are followers of Christ is our love for one another. Loving others doesn't mean that we love them simply when they cross our path. We get occupied with all the things in our life that we have to do, and when somebody kind of interjects themselves into our life, hey, we're ready at the helm to love. That's great. That's good. We should be ready to help and serve and love and care for others when it comes across our path and we need to. But that shouldn't be the extent of it. Extent of it. We're called to proactively. It's a command for you. Love. Not be loving when others need it. No, love one another. Love one another. There's an intentionality here. A thoughtfulness. We intentionally and thoughtfully give of ourselves for others' good without thought of the cost to ourselves. That's 
the call for us. That's what it looks like to pursue Christ, to abandon ourselves, to commit ourselves to Christ. This is what we're going to look at a little bit tonight when we uh, look at First uh, Peter 2, 4 through 8, and we talk, see how God's building us up. We're also going to look at that passage in just a moment. But uh, he talks about us being uh, a temple built up for the Lord, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. And you think about what Paul says in Romans 12, by the mercies of God, therefore by the mercies of God, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of service. That's the call on the Christian life. We take our lives, we hold it up, hold ourselves up with open hands. Lord, we are yours for your purposes. You sent your son for us. He died for us. He was crushed for us. He bore the eternal punishment that we deserved. And so our lives, because we were bought with a price, are not our own. They are for you to be lived for your glory. And that's what we need to think through in regards to our pursuit of Christ. Now, we also need to understand God's design for his church. What does God think about his church? Turn to 1 Peter 2. As I mentioned, this is the passage we'll be looking at in more depth this evening. First Peter 2, 4 through 8. Peter says, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, that is obviously Christ. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what I was just talking about. We are a royal priesthood. We're part, we're living stones, part of this house that God is building. So God calls us to pursue first his kingdom, to love him, to love one another, and then by definition to be a Christian is to be one who is continually coming back to Christ, looking to him for the, the stabilization, the trajectory of which we're to be built upon as part of his house. He's building us up. Go over to the left to Ephesians just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul gets at the same thing. In verse 19, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. We're connected. We're, we have a, a joint citizenship together. We're of God's household. We're God's children, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What that means is the truth brought to us from the apostles and prophets, uh, namely the gospel in the New Testament, the word of God. We've been built upon that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building, so now we, Paul also uses this metaphor of us being a building built upon Christ. We're being fitted together one with another and are growing into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. That's happening Yes, individually in each one of our lives, but the imagery, the metaphor that Paul uses, that Peter uses here, comes with a, a deep, intentional connection to one another, that this is happening individually, but it's, it's especially happening corporately as we're built one upon another, connected to one another, founded upon the cornerstone, Christ Jesus. He saved us to build us up into a temple, a house. This is a corporate activity. Your pursuit of Christ then involves a connection to other believers. You actually can't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and do so separate from a corporate community of believers. It's not a rogue mission to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I'll just love everybody as they come across my path. We absolutely should love everybody as they come across our path. That's a great thing to do. We're called to do that. But we're also called to be connected one with another. And Paul's mind here and Peter's mind is not just a, exclusively a universal church idea. Hey, all the Christians on the planet are being built up together. If you read through the book of Ephesians and look at the commandments for interaction and care and even singing and admonishment and so forth, if you look at the interaction that Paul puts forth 
for how believers are to interact, there's no way that in Paul's mind as he's giving that instruction, he's thinking of just an undefined universal idea of believers. He's thinking of a corporate assembly of believers intentionally connected with one another in worship of God, spiritual care for one another, care in regards to sin, singing, preaching of God's word, intentional instruction, serving, using giftedness one with another. And Peter's the same way. If you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you could not conclude Peter simply has in mind just an unconnected idea of believers everywhere. He's talking to believers who are intimately connected with one another. There's order. There's elders in 1 Peter. Specific instruction for elders to shepherd the flock, to care for the flock. There's instruction regarding spiritual gifts and how to use your gifts. There's instruction regarding conflict resolution and love for one another and prayer for one another. There's specific instruction on household relationships and relationships of believers to government and so on. Many specific instructions. And so God's design for his church is that we are built up together with intentional connectedness one to another as we pursue Christ. And involvement in the church only aids our pursuit of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is helpful when we're thinking about the relationship of discipline one and discipline two and discipline three. Because at times there can be a a thought of, I need to make sure that I don't leapfrog my family and overcommit to church. So I'm going to pull back on things from church and just be with my family. Only to find that what ends up happening is, hey, I'm, I'm not going to go to fellowship group tonight because I haven't seen my family for five days and we just need some time together. And what do you do? You stay with your family, you turn on Netflix and you watch three hours of TV. Maybe, maybe you don't do that. If you don't do that, great. That has happened before. That happens because we think somehow just being in presence with one another is, is going to increase or aid something of value. And then we actually miss what the Lord has for us, that would be most valuable in renewing our minds and how to be faithful in our home. We need to think through these things, consider these things as we make decisions. These involvements with one another in the church, God's design for his church, it actually is, is commanded in scripture. There's numerous commands where we are obligated before the Lord towards these kinds of relationships. I have a few of them there. I'm sure we could think of many more right? This is just a few, just to name a few, the one another commands. There's like 23 of them, 23 or 22. Do you remember Anne or anybody? I have a list. It's, it's, it's something like 23 specific one another commands. What are some of them? Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Show hospitality towards one another. Confess sin for one another. The list just goes on and on. Many, many ways that we are actually commanded from Scripture to care for one another. I encourage you, if you'd like it, email me and I can get it to you. I have a list of these, the one another commands with their references. Have you ever sat down, read through the one another commands, and then just thoughtfully and prayerfully considered, am I being faithful to this? Because it's not a collective list that you just get to choose which ones you like. I really like praying for people. That's my ministry. And so that's where I focus myself. Well, do you confess sins to one another? I don't like that part. So I pray for others. That's my, well, no, we're, we're called to do all of those things. Again, don't neglect the ones you love. Do them. Do them fervently. And, and we all have various giftedness and ways that the Lord uniquely uses us in his church, but it doesn't get us off the hook from the other commands that believers are called. We need to be faithful in those as well. Just go through each one and prayerfully consider, how am I doing in this? Have I given attention to this? Thoughtfulness to this. We're commanded to not forsake gathering together. We're commanded to be under preaching and teaching from God's word. That's to be a staple of the church. Church discipline, spiritual care regarding sin is commanded in Scripture. Church ordinances are commanded in Scripture. That's communion and baptism. 
many others that we could come up with from God's word we're called to participate in. So we understand the call to pursue Christ. We cannot neglect that. This is related. It's, it's complementary. It's connected. It's aided. It's enhanced by our association with the church, God's design to both build us up and use us as a means to building others up within the church. So what should we consider next? Well, listen, as you think through these things, as you think through your life, you must understand there's no passivity truly in what's going on through your life. Your decisions are impacting those around you in some way. It communicates something. Your actions are leading your family somewhere, whether in how you help your husband, how you direct your children, how you interact with roommates or those in your household. Your decisions impact those around you in some way. What are the ways, what, what, what are some ways that your home is impacted by your actions? Well, first of all, what to value? Your actions demonstrate what you value. Well, we know the saying, right? Actions speak louder than words, right? You can speak till you're blue in the face about whatever you think you believe, but what you truly believe is going to demonstrate itself through your actions. You can say whatever you want, but then if you live your life differently, what's going to come forth is what you actually value. So, for example, if you miss church regularly for non-consequential things, you're demonstrating in actions what is important to you. If church is just kind of a peripheral when it's convenient, when it fits in with life kind of mentality, then that communicates what you actually think about the corporate gathering of God's people in the local church. That's important to understand. And thankfully, I'm incredibly encouraged by what Gilbert Bible Church thinks about the corporate gathering. We meet on Saturday nights. That's not the most convenient or traditional time to meet. And you guys make it a huge priority to be here when you can. If you commit to a fellowship group and the slightest demand of your schedule means you miss group, if it's, hey, Tuesday night is fellowship group. I go when I can. Hey, you have anything going on Tuesday? Eh, no, I can, I, I can get together. What do you want to do? You know, for, so there's just a non-consequential things. I just, yeah, it's there when I want it kind of mentality. That demonstrates what you value. The things that take place in fellowship groups. Instruction around God's word. Interacting around God's word. Sharing what you're reading and being an encouragement to one another in that. Confessing sins. Praying for one another. Uh, sharing how God's using you in the process of evangelism. Being connected in that way. If, if in your life, fellowship group is just kind of this thing that's there when it works in life. And then if, if I just don't feel like it or I had a long day, eh, nobody will miss me. Not a big deal. If that's your thinking, that demonstrates how you value those things that are practiced during our time together. Especially if you make no intentional effort to supplement them elsewhere. It also communicates what you think about the programs of the church and the leadership of the church. If, if the leaders of the church say, here's the programs, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now. You're all here. But if it's EQ or the corporate gathering, or fellowship gatherings. If you're like, ah, they do all that stuff. It's just not for me. I'm going to kind of do my own thing in the church, my own way. That demonstrates what you think, what you value, what you think about leadership, what you think about your own thoughts and your ideas of how to go about things. That's not to be an insult or be critical, but it would be naive or simply just negligent or ignorant to think that it doesn't demonstrate what you value. This is all things in life. Where do you want to go to eat? Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out? The ultimate conundrum. Well, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. That demonstrates what you value. There's things that you value about all the decisions we make demonstrate these things. So it's just, it's just stating the obvious. If you never read your Bible, never talk about God, never pray with your family in your home, 
but you have no problem talking about other political matters or social events or the latest news that's come out, those things, that demonstrates even in your home what you value as well. It's a form of leadership, a form of spiritual service. If you have kids in sports constantly, can never miss a practice, never miss a game, but, oh, all these other things in regards to church life, they're negotiable. They kind of come and go. And, and listen, we're not talking one church service because you've got a tournament. I did that two weeks ago. I don't feel guilty. <laughs> okay, I missed church last week, actually, because Asher had his state championships. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the trajectory of your life, how you make decisions, what is the top priority on a consistent level. These things demonstrate what you value. And I I just want to reiterate what I just said. I want to be crystal clear. This does not mean what I'm not saying is you can never miss church, never miss fellowship group, never miss an offering of the church. That's, that's not what we're getting at. We're talking about the outflow of a heart that loves Jesus, loves his bride, loves his people, and is seeking to be faithful in the whole of your life. What does the message of your life communicate? First and foremost, before the Lord. Is it easy for things to get away from you? And have it become disproportionate, unbalanced. Conversely, if you prioritize things pertaining to your walk with Christ, reading your Bible, church participation, serving, what do those things communicate to your children, to your family, to those who are watching your life? If you have conversations, hey, we're having a get-together on this night. I can't make it. I have fellowship group that night. Really? You can't miss one week? I don't want to miss one week. I could miss. I don't want to miss. Can we reschedule? Oh, okay. That demonstrates what you think about that time together and what's taking place there. You also demonstrate through your actions what to believe about God. Actions not only communicate what you value, but also what you believe about God. Is God faithful? Is following God worth it? Is obedience to Christ in the ways that he calls us to in connection with one another going to be more satisfying to my soul than a preoccupation with temporal things in this world? Is God an add-on, add him in where he fits in our lives considerations? I remember Julie and I were discipled so well early in our marriage and one of the things that was just on our hearts from the get-go was that, listen, our, our life is about Christ. We are committed to his church and life will fit the the things of life, work, uh, social activities, recreation, hobbies. Those things are going to fit around the center, which is Christ and church. That, That was even before I got paid by the church, long before I got paid by the church, that was our resolve. Um, we love that. And I think that's the call for the believer. That's God's grace that we had that exemplified to us and instructed to us, discipled in that way. And what can easily happen is you get all of the commitments, all of the obligations in life, and then what do you do with church and connection with others? You squeeze those things in the crevices of your schedule of your life. Well, your actions also demonstrate what what, you, what to believe about God's word, what you believe about God's word. Do God's commands matter? If we're already saved by grace, is this really that important? Is you're blowing it out of proportion? Is church really matter? Does being connected with one another matter? Does praying for one another, all these commands, is it really that important? I'm already saved. Well, do you believe that eternal rewards are real? Do you really love Christ? Because he says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. To neglect God's commandments reveals our heart attitude towards Christ. What do you believe about God's word? What do you believe about his promises? Do you believe that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these other things will be added to you? Or do you believe that you need to control the things around you, that they would be added to you? Do you believe that there's joy, immeasurable joy in Christ? Or do you think you need something else to have sufficient joy in your life. Well, these things are important, but before we get away from ourselves, run away from ourselves in our thinking, 
we need to ask ourselves, what are the dangers of excessive body life? What are the dangers of being excessively connected to the church? And that's the next bold in our outline. Everybody with me on the outline? It's in the middle of page two. What are the dangers of excessive body life, right? We can't just commit ourselves to being at one another's house all day, every day, every service, every offering. It may not be realistic. We, we may neglect faithfulness to the Lord if we're simply doing those things all the time. I read my Bible 18 hours a day. Look at how spiritual I am. In the other six hours, I'm with people. I don't need sleep. Uh, what are the dangers? Well, first of all, listen, we have obligations to the church, but we have other obligations in life too, right? God calls us to be faithful with our lives in other ways. We might make a commitment and find ourselves in a season where to just immediately bail on that would neglect faithfulness to what we've committed to. It'd be a bad testimony. It'd be wrong. There needs to be provisions in the household. Husbands, dads need to work and provide for the family. You have obligations in your home to care for the home, to care for children if the Lord has given those to you. To be faithful in family life, to be diligent. Children need to honor and obey their parents. They need to be faithful there. Other life commitments, we have to be faithful in these things. So, we don't want to just run away in our minds and all of a sudden we just commit to 50 hours a week of obligations. What else are dangers? Well, neglecting the needs of your family. Babies need to sleep. Children need to eat. You have to shop. For some of you more than others with high school boys. Eli, Jackson, Asher, Elijah. Struggle is real. You've got, to be, you've got to take care of those things. And so we can't just recklessly go, oh, I love Jesus, I love the church, everything that comes in the church, yes, 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 because I love God's people. That may be unhelpful as well. This is why it comes back to heart shepherding. This all is rooted out of love for Jesus and wanting a life of faithfulness and recognizing what are the spheres where God calls me to be faithful? You're called to be faithful in your home. You're called to be faithful in your community. You're called to be faithful in your church. We need to consider these things, financial considerations. If you find yourself in a specific place financially, whether from bad past decisions or prudent past decisions that didn't turn out advantageously, right? There were people in 2000 seven and eight that made very reasonable decisions in buying houses uh, with 30, 40% equity in their home. And then within a year found themselves upside down in their home because the market crashed dramatically. Um, jobs were lost. Things were hard. Couldn't make payments. Uh, was that a result of sin or providence? Every situation was unique to itself. Sometimes we make poor decisions and we find ourselves bound financially beyond what is prudent. Sometimes it's under God's providence and we just have to trust him. But we have obligations. We got to be faithful there. We need to repay what we owe and honor our, our obligations. However, when thinking about those, we shouldn't think as if they're just spiraling in the direction they go and we're helpless. We just got to do what we got to do. You know, there may be times where you go, we are so financially bound up to these obligations of things that we like and standard of living that we like. We're going to review our budget and we're going to pull back. And we're going to cancel this and not do this and not go on this vacation. We're going to sell these things and reduce our obligation. Or we have an opportunity to buy something. We're not going to buy it because we don't want to extend our obligations because we don't want to bind ourselves to something that's going to so dominate the nature and flow of our life. There was a, a person I was counseling who was finding themselves just having to work all the time to fulfill their obligations. And I, I mentioned, um, why don't you sell your house and buy a smaller house? And they scoffed at me. I'm not going to move my family. And I, I, I kind of scoffed at them. Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Is it like, okay, well, I think we've uncovered your idol. Like, if you can't sell a house and get a smaller house or rent a house because you're crippled from being able to be useful from the Lord because of how you've bound yourself financially, if, if that's not even an option to consider, there's some idolatry in your heart that you need to address. We make really big in our mind these things that are so temporal and so inconsequential in contrast to the spiritual ramifications of how we live our life for the glory of God. So just everything needs to be on the table when we navigate these different decisions. Oh, as we wrap up, I want to I talk a little bit about the relationship of discipline two and discipline three, one with another. As we're thinking through our pursuit of Christ, our connection to the body, how do we make decisions, uh, prioritizing commands that the Lord gives us, seeking to be faithful in all that the Lord has for us. There isn't a, a here's the magic spreadsheet to plug in the obligations and time of your life, and it will pop out what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. This is building foundational tools for you to prayerfully uh, consider how to pursue Christ, how to honor him with the decisions you make. People have different life circumstances, different capacities, different propensities. So you need to think through these things. However, one of the things we need to think through is God's design for heart care, home care, and connection to the church, these never, when done well, compete with one another. And that's something that I've heard come out several times. Man, I'm just really trying to balance discipline two and discipline three. As if I've got to pull back on being faithful in the church because I need to be faithful in my home. Or, man, I'm really absorbed with my home um, I, need to, I need to spend a little less time there so that I can be faithful in the church. If you are being faithful with your heart, you will have opportunity to be faithful in your home. If you're being faithful in your home, it's not going to compete with being faithful in the church. It's going to complement it. You understand that? Faithfulness in your home should not draw you away from consistent connection to the church. It enhances it. And oftentimes, being faithful in your home means demonstrating a faithfulness to church. How do you shepherd your kids to think about the church? Well, how you prioritize connection with the body is shepherding your children. And so, if you have a hard day with the kids, you are exhausted, you're at your wit's end, you just want some peace and quiet, and it's fellowship group night, you've committed to the group, and it's ladies' night. And your husband comes home, hey, you ready to go? I'm just going to stay home tonight. What have you just unintentionally communicated to your children? When things are really hard and I'm really exhausted, church is peripheral, fellowship, interaction. What if you go, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm, I'm kind of on edge because I've lost my cool several times today. The thing I need most is to think a little bit less about myself, think a little bit more about others. I need to confess my sin. I need to pray for others. I need to be reminded of truth from God's word. Physically, this is the last thing I want to do, but spiritually, this is exactly where I need to go. You know, that Julie and I have had multiple conversations over the years where it's like, man, it'd be really tempting to not go to fellowship group tonight, but we're hosting <laughs> So we're going to have it. And then, and then what happened at the end of the night? Oh, I'm so glad we had fellowship group at our home tonight. That's exactly what we needed. Oh, it was so helpful. So encouraging. There, there's just not, I, I, I don't think there's ever been a time where I felt like I didn't want to be involved in fellowship group and then went and then thought, ah, I really should have just stayed home. That was a waste. It, it just doesn't work out that way. Even when my heart is hard and I'm like, I didn't contribute as well as I could have. I still am blessed to have been around God's people. So prioritizing these things is, is important. Now, when we think about discipline two and discipline three, we're thinking in the realm of neglecting your home, neglecting care for your home 
for leading and taking a prominent role of spiritual authority in the household of God. So this, what would that look like? That means I'm going to go lead women's night, but I haven't opened the Bible or had a conversation about the Lord or directed my children towards Christ or served sacrificially in my home. I haven't done any of those things for months, but I'm going to go lead other, others in how to think about God. That's what we're talking about in don't leapfrog your home for church. Or is there a need in the church? I'll serve. I'll serve. I'll serve. Maybe it's a dad. Everybody else, this thing broke in my house. I'll come fix it. We need to move. I'll come move. Uh, We need help with setup. I'll come set up. We need help leading this thing. I'll lead. And then you look at their home and they've got a list of 12 things that their wife has asked them to do and they've neglected all of them. That's leapfrogging your home. That's going to exasperate your wife or exasperate your children as a husband. That kind of behavior. That's what we're talking about. Not my connection to the church needs to decrease so that I can be faithful in my home. You need to be faithful in your home and you need to be connected to the church. And if you're not being faithful in your home, that doesn't mean recluse recluse yourself, become reclusive, separate yourself from the church until you get your life together in the home. It's like this. I've, I've also had conversations. I think I've even thought this thought in my teenage years. I do not want to bring a defiled legalistic heart to God's word. And so I'm not going to read my Bible today because my heart's not in the right place. Hopefully tomorrow my heart's in the right place. And then I won't offend God by bringing a wicked heart to his word because I'm just being legalistic and trying to check this box. That is just complete ignorance. (laughs) What would God use more to remedy, to soften my legalistic hard heart than his word? (laughs) No, bring your legalistic hard heart to his word, confess it as a legalistic hard heart, repent of the legalism, repent of your hard heart, and renew your mind with his truth. And maybe that doesn't happen all perfectly at once, but bring your heart to God's word. Well, same with body life, same with faithfulness in your family. Don't neglect these other things that we're called to be a part of, thinking, well, I've, I've got to get my family all just ship shape before I'm worthy to be a part of the church. No, none of us are worthy to be a part of the church. As Tom says, we're all beggars helping other beggars find bread. And God's intention for growing and maturing us is through the means of his people. And so we need to be connected. We need to be faithful there. The relationship of discipline two and discipline three should complement each other. We shepherd our homes faithfully when we demonstrate in our actions our faithfulness to God's commands in regards to the body, to serve, to love, to care, to encourage. What are some crucial questions? I want to open it up at the end for some questions from you guys, but I have a couple for us to consider as we wrap up. Crucial questions to consider. What happens when we neglect commanded things for permissible things in our life? love to hear from you. As, as we ponder the things that I just shared, what happens when we neglect commanded things from God's word for permissible things? We'll ponder. Ponder for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It just creates an, uh, an imbalance in our life. That, that was really well said, Tanya. And, and listen, this happens so deceptively and so subtly. Nobody goes, what are God's commands? Because I want to not care about those. And what are the things that I have freedom to do? Because I want to put those as the top priorities in my life. Very rarely does somebody consciously go through that. But what happens is we start committing ourselves to things. Well, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to. Do you really? Do you have to do that? Because there are things that God actually says you have to do. And there's other things that you have freedom to do. And you don't want to distort those things. Your life becomes unbalanced. Uh, 
how about this one? What level of involvement is right when I'm thinking about the church? And you don't have to answer this because it's somewhat of a trick question. There's, there's no exact answer. What level of commitment is right? Love Jesus and live faithfully in light of that, prioritizing the things that he prioritizes. We just can't neglect the bride of Christ and think, hey, I love Jesus. I just don't love his people. <laughs> I, I just don't like people. I, it's too exhausting, too much drama, too much hurt. I'd rather, my, my relationship with Jesus is just me and Jesus, and that's how I want it. Well, that's not how God wants it. That's not how God designed it. So to live that way perpetually is, is actually to live perpetually in disobedience to Christ. Nobody would go up to a husband and say, hey, I really like you, but I can't stand your wife. So I'll only spend time with you. If, if that's, maybe people do that. Maybe people do that. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. And what husband would entertain that? Oh, okay. You hate my wife? Yeah, I'd love to just hang out with you. No, that's just not how it works. That's not how it works. We're called to love Christ and love his bride. And so there's no magic formula here. It's pursue Christ, love him, love others, prayerfully consider your schedule. Oftentimes this happens because commitments get away from us. And so, you know, we, we have kids, high schoolers, junior hires in sports right now. That's a, that's a newer thing for us. The commitment level is newer the last few years. And every season, we have to thoughtfully and intentionally consider what is the commitment? What does that mean for other things in our life? Um, again, uh, it's not a bad thing. These are good things, permissible things. But how are we thinking about binding ourselves to these perm permissible things? And have we thought through the implications? Now, I will say, I know many of you well who do this so well so well. So again, as I said before, I'm not sharing these things as an admonishment to Gilbert Bible Church. I think there are many of you who are incredibly exemplary in navigating the nuances that come with having to make these decisions. But my encouragement for all of us, us included, is prayerfully, thoughtfully consider before binding yourself to different obligations, the implications of that. Don't perpetually be reactive be proactive and thoughtful with your schedule. Seek counsel and input. Oftentimes we might be blind. Some of us may think, man, I, I'm really faithful with all these things, only to find out, as I shared earlier, you know, oh, no, actually you're, you're not in the way that you desire. You're not in the way that you think. Your greatest aid to living a life of faithfulness while juggling all of your different responsibilities is to start by addressing your heart your heart with the core principles of loving Jesus, loving what Jesus loves, knowing his commands and his instructions for the church, and then pursuing obedience to those, starting, starting there. Not just checking boxes of attendance, but let your decision-making flow out of love for God and a decisive decision of the will to love and to set your affection towards God's people. This takes heart shepherding. This is not something we pursue because it's easy or comfortable, right? Sometimes being a part of the local church is very hard. We sin against each other. We disappoint one another. We offend one another. All of these things happen. We're, we're called to put on a heart of compassion. We're called to forgive anyone who has an offense one of another. And we're called to put on love, which is the perfect bond of peace. This is God's intention and plan and instruction because it is astronomically better than any other life that we would live. That does not mean it's temporally easier than any moment-by-moment -moment issue we might have to navigate. Ultimately, a heart separated or a life separated from the church will be way more harder. We see this all the time, the hopelessness of those without Christ, of those not connected with others. Hardship comes in this world, and to have to navigate those hardships alone, isolated, it's miserable. So it's, it's only self-deception to think that it's easier. It might feel easier in the moment because I didn't have to address this conflict. I didn't have to forgive. But the reality is, is that the spiritual blessings that come from being under God's authority being obedient to Christ, being connected with one another, 
It is far better than any other life that we could live in this world. All right. What questions do you have? Comments? Crickets? Are you saving them for Anne? Okay. I know myself. There's no way I was that clear. All right. I will pray. And we'll split. I think we're large enough. We probably split into two groups. Do you guys have your groups? Do you... If you don't know which group you're in, ask Ann or Julie or Kendall, and uh, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that we can love him. Thank you for how precious he is to us. Thank you for your church. Thank you that we're connected, that we love each other, that we can love one another with the love that we've received. It's wonderful. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace that helps us, enables us, forgives us. Lord, help, help us to be faithful in all that you call us to. Thank you for Gilbert Bible Church. Thank you for the many servants who left comforts of an established church, ease of ministry, abundance of resources, chose to come to a, a small church, getting established, everything being built from the ground up. We, we have a wonderful foundation from our sending church, Grace Bible Church, but there's a lot that people have to sacrifice to be a part of Gilbert Bible Church, and I just never hear a complaint. I just see faces filled with joy, lives committed to service, lives being sanctified and growed and built up. Lord, help us just to persist in these things. Help us to be faithful to you, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen.